This is The Thomas Guide with your host, John Thomas. Online, we've got Dan Kavalik, uh, an author uh, of a new book called The Plot to Scapegoat Russia, How the CIA and Deep State Have Conspired to Vilify Russia. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, John. So this is what caught my eye about your book. Is It is completely uh, contrary to everything you hear in the mainstream media, quite frankly, on both sides of the political aisle. The Democrats are kind of late to jump on that train, but uh, I think it's more politically convenient for them now to use Russia as the villain than it was before. But, but by and large, it's considered that Russia, they're bad actors. Um, can you tell us what your book's all about? Yes. I mean, I try to put, uh, you know, the whole Russia uh, narrative uh, into context, both present context and historical context, to argue that, look, Russia isn't perfect. Uh, uh, Putin is not uh, perfect by any means. Um, he has his issues. Uh, but that when you look at the history as a whole and geopolitics as a whole, Russia is, first of all, a minor actor on the world stage, certainly post-collapse of the Soviet Union. They have a very small economy, um, actually smaller, believe it or not, or about it, the same as that of Portugal, which is one of the poorest Western European countries. Um, if you look at their military spending, it's much smaller than that of the United States. Um, essentially, they're not a huge actor on the world stage. Uh, when people talk about their concerns about Russia and Putin, they'll talk about Ukraine, and a subset of that is Crimea, and they'll talk about Syria. And that's the end, right? I mean, when you talk about U.S. intervention abroad, you're looking at Iraq and Syria, course, Afghanistan. Oh, I mean, that, yeah. that, that, is a good, that is a good point, Dan. I mean, I always would scratch my head uh, saying, you know, uh, Russia, I don't think their intentions are, are, <laughs> are, are pure uh, by any stretch. But if you just look at their GDP by comparison, I mean, they're, they're, not, they're not a powerful player um, just economically. Uh, they have a lot more um, – we have more to lose than they do but um, it just because we're much bigger. But why do you think then uh, – your, your book says that there's a deep state conspiracy to vilify Russia. Why would Jim Cohn – I mean it, it would have to be a pretty massive conspiracy uh, all coordinated to make Russia into as big of a deal as it is. How does something like that – grow how does that how does that conspiracy come to be yeah and and again i and i want to be clear you know i i, I try not to to portray it so much as a conspiracy but that essentially it's an easy narrative as you say convenient for a number of actors like the democratic party like the intelligence agencies to latch onto russia which is one historian mentioned you know our fear and hatred of them is in our dna at this point because of the old cold war which lasted for what 80 years and so now we're in the midst of a new one russia is a very convenient um again scapegoat to use my word um and putin is as well to what? To justify, first of all, again, the democratic loss in, in the election instead of owning up to their own failures and, frankly, mentioning the Comey letter itself, which probably helped doom Hillary Clinton. That Remember the letter about three weeks before uh, the election in which Comey said he was continuing 
the investigation into her uh, private server, given things that were found on on, on um, uh, Anthony Weiner's uh, laptop. That's probably what did more to harm her than anything. But that's kind of an inconvenient thing to talk about because that was really a self-inflicted wound. Um, so the Democratic Party, as you mentioned, has has an incentive to say, oh, let's blame Russia. The intelligence services, and I think parts of the of the deep state, as they call it, the the parts of the government that continue, regardless of who's in power, also use Russia as a convenient enemy in a situation where we need enemies. That is to continue our massive military expenditures, which are more than at least the seven uh, biggest countries combined in terms of military spending. Um, you need enemies, and, and Russia again is a convenient but, enemy for that. And I but, think that that Dan, is what's but, but happening. Why, but, but but why not? I understand that. But why not uh, China? I mean, you know, China. If you want to look at uh, hacking the United States, they have a far bigger infrastructure that's constantly trying to penetrate every element, not just of our government, but of our private sector as well. Uh, why is China, and uh, why are more formidable foes not used as such a, a villain? Well, that that's a good question. First of all, I think China certainly is lingering out there as, as a potential villain, and they certainly they are vilified. I think that Russia, though, I think this personification, this caricature of Putin, which has been created, in which, one, he's been portrayed as this kind of devil, and two, is this omnipotent villain, certainly way beyond the power that he has. Again, I think this has been latched onto is a very convenient uh, uh, enemy. I think it's very helpful if you if you want an enemy to have a personification of it, you know, sure. in a Hitler sure. or a Stalin, etc. And in fact, Hillary sure. Clinton has compared Putin to Stalin. In China, we don't, you know, we have the Communist Party. Most people couldn't even name uh, the leader of China, right? It's not. Sure. It's a li- little harder to to con- uh, make concrete as it is in in the case of Russia. I think well, also. If you yeah. look at, at at forms like Ukraine and Syria, which the U.S. is very concerned about and very involved in themselves, Russia is there in a way that China isn't. I think mm-hmm. I think geopolitically, Russia, for the moment, is more critical to vilify than than China is. It, it, what what do you make of the the whole Flynn mess? Uh, what what do you think happened there? What do you think will end up coming of all of that? Well, I mean. I, and first of all, let me just put my cards on the table. You know, and I may be different from folks you interview. I, you know, I was not a, a Trump supporter myself. I, I come from the left, and I'm not a huge Flynn supporter. But what I'll say about Mike Flynn is that he's guilty of meeting with an ambassador from Russia during the transition period. I mean, mm-hmm. what is the problem with that? I mean, you know, if you're going to be yeah. in the foreign affairs part of the new White House, which he was. You have to meet with ambassadors, and you got to yeah. meet with a Russian ambassador, right? It wasn't like they said he was meeting with spies. Right. He, he was meeting with the main diplomatic representative of Russia. I do not see a problem with that. Other people do it. Every transition team right. does it. I, I see Flynn as being the fall guy uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, for this unfairly. What else do they accuse him of? He got, I guess, $45,000 from RT yeah. to to attend a meeting. Bill Clinton got, I think, $500,000 to give a speech in Moscow. I mean, 
Well, right, and he did, is, I think he also yeah. did. I think he also did some lobbying, not directly for the Russian government, but but foreign, you know, businesses. I, my, here, here's my take. I'm I'm curious if what you have to say about this. Um, my, my take with with Flynn is, um, you know, he he when he left the government, he was a lobbyist, uh, making a living completely legal and legitimately. Um, and part of just like Paul Manafort um, and Roger Stone, you know, they part of the lobbying career was international lobbying. Um, this was pre-Trump even. Um, they did lobbying. And when Flynn had involvement with Trump as the campaign went on, Flynn understands uh, Russia probably better than anyone and says, look, I'm a general. I understand that having conversations with ambassadors, I get what his – I get. I understand the ambassador's angle, and I understand – they're always trying to flip people, but I'm a general. I'm not going to let that happen. You know, I know I know where the line is, and I'm not going to cross it. It seems like Flynn probably might have walked up to the line, um, and now, you know, it's to me the logic of the left's attack using Russia is I would use it akin to um, Jean Monnet, Jean Monnet Ramsey, uh, that if you um, if you've at one time ever traveled to Boulder, Colorado, if you ever uh, saw a child's beauty pageant on television and, uh, and you've heard of her name, you somehow must be locked up in the conspiracy of her murder. <laughs> well, yeah, it, you know, it, it is. It's guilty of it by association. And it's basically yeah, anyone who's been meeting with Russia or having any, anything to do with them is somehow uh, now tainted. And again, first of all, that must assume that there's something bad about Russia. And again, I think I think that's overblown. And in fact, I think they're a worthy uh, ally uh, internationally. And I'll just mention that, in fact, right after 9/11, it's it's well known that Putin was the first leader to call Bush to express his condolences right. to offer help in, in Afghanistan. He did give help in Afghanistan. I mean, I, I you know, so there's been an olive branch that's been extended from them to us, which I which I think uh, we should certainly. Take seriously. So one, I don't think that being associated with Russia should be such a bad thing. Uh, and again, let's look at other associations. I mean, you know, Hillary Clinton and, and the Clinton, the Clinton Foundation took monies uh, while Hillary Clinton right. was in the State Department from Saudi Arabia. Why, why, do, why do you think that's not uh, being focused on? Well, again, for some reason, um, connections, for example, to Saudi Arabia, which was a much more nefarious, uh, you know, country than Russia. It's a monarchy. It's repressive. It's, it has these connections to 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 uh, Al Qaeda, and, and yeah. uh, you know, fifteen of the nineteen nine eleven uh, attackers were from Saudi Arabia. But somehow, there's a consensus that they're okay, right? Uh, and that if you get money from Saudi Arabia, that that's just part of the game. Uh, again, somehow Russia has been made out to be this this, this more uh, a villainous entity, and, and I guess that's what it comes down to. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and also and, Trump yeah. and Trump wasn't willing early on. He was not willing to condemn Russia and Putin, and I I, I think the establishment wanted him to condemn Putin. He wouldn't. I think that might have also. Raise some flags. Yeah, that, that, and I agree with that. I mean, I think, I think, I think the attack against Trump on this issue, uh, and it's now grown beyond this, is that he broke the consensus that you don't say nice things about Russia. That Russia is not our friend. 
you don't make nice with Russia. That was a radical thing for him to do, to say, hey, maybe we should be friends with these people. He broke the consensus, and I think that is the problem. I think that is why they've gone after him. I think they've painted him into a corner on this. And again, the irony of ironies to, to some extent is that the you know, rank-and-file Democrats who tend to at least be associated with the peace movement, the anti-war movement, essentially now have mal-mal Trump into acting in a more bellicose way, not only towards Russia but also towards Assad. You know, it, It's kind of this bizarre thing where they're pushing him harder – towards war than even the conservatives are. It's, it's, it's almost a, a switcheroo there, uh, and I don't know if you see it that way, but it's it is, odd... No, it is. I mean, it, it is, and it, it, makes me, it makes me chuckle because you can flash back uh, just a few years ago uh, when Democrats were calling, uh, calling Republicans you know, alarmists. For you know, like John McCain saying that you know Russia's a bad saying, oh Russia's overblown, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but uh, no, I, I mean I think the political side of it is a is a pure convenience. Um, it is a vehicle to uh, cast doubt on the president and to and pull him down. I don't know if it gets to impeachment. I don't think it does, but but it it, it riles up their base. Uh, it it derails his domestic agenda and his ability to get that through. Um, so I think that's why politically they're doing it, and it makes sense. Uh, the, the, the fascinating thing is there are so many players, you know, in a presidential campaign that have have likely encountered Russia at some point. That this story will just continue on and continue on. With no, to me, it's there's never going to be a moment where the federal government, the FBI, says that's it, we're done here. Well, I think that's right, and these things tend to kind of either either kind of continue on or just kind of peter out. I'll give yeah. an example of that. Do you remember the uh, kind of an analogous thing? How about the North Korean hacking story of Sony from a couple years ago? Right. I think most people ended up uh, concluding that, in fact, it wasn't North Korea, that it was an inside job, but that just kind of petered out. You know, and that's how these right. things do. They tend to have a life cycle and then and then just kind of disappear. We'll see if that happens here. But a, one thing I do want to emphasize is that that even though there is a, an, obviously a huge part of this that is political convenience for those who want to bring down Trump, this is a very dangerous game. Russia is a nuclear state, right? We are a nuclear state. Uh, the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, which which you know may, considers the problem and the and the and the threat of nuclear war have has recently moved the the uh nuclear clock to 3 minutes to midnight because of these tensions between Russia and the United States you know to play to use uh, uh, the vilification of a, of a country like Russia a nuclear state like Russia for political advantage is a very dangerous game because it that's that issue will linger as you suggested way beyond this political issue around Trump and it could lead to confrontations and war that we don't want to see and and that is why I wrote my book uh because no, I, I, and I know yeah. and it, it makes sense I mean you, you, and, and your point and your point is right it's really disheartening um that uh yeah, our politics have gotten to such a point where it is a win at all costs, no matter what damage uh, it does to the country or our relations 
um, with with other countries. I mean, that's that's a, that's a sad sad reality. But uh, I, I I appreciate uh, Dan you coming on the Thomas Guide. This has been really interesting. So we can get your book, uh, The Plot to Scapegoat Russia: How the CIA and Deep State Have Conspired to Vilify Russia on Amazon and other other places. Do you have a Twitter account or another way yes, people can find yes, you? Yes, I'm, I'm at Daniel M. Kavalik, K-O-V-A-L-I-K. And in fact, I'm following you now, John. And, uh, <laughs> Great. And yeah, I'd love for folks to buy my book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, and I think they will find it nourishing. And I thank well, Dan, you for as, having me. As, as this Russia saga continues, we're going to have to have you back because your perspective is really invaluable on this because – uh, I think I think we're losing sight of um, we're getting lost in the minutia, and we're we're you know it's kind of we can't see the forest for the trees here, um, you know because we're just whipped by the news cycle. Rather than that's absolutely right, and the media is a big part of this problem too, and and that's a whole other subject. Maybe we can deal with that next time. <laughs> next next time. Thanks so much, Dan, for coming on. Have a great day. You too, John. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you.